Let's read Mark chapter 4, and we'll start with verse 13, and this is real familiar to, to everyone. And I want to talk to you about uh, the advice I was going to give you this morning is how to increase the fruits of your own garden. Amen. And I want you to think of your life as a garden. Jesus said that, that uh, he, he chose us, he called us, and he, and he saved us in order that we might bring forth fruit. Amen. He purges us. He, he trims back the dead branches so that we can even bear more fruit. Fruit glorifies God. God wants, God wants this little garden that is you to bear much fruit. Amen. He wants this church. We look at this church. This is a field. This is a garden that God wants us to bear much fruit. And, uh, and so fruitfulness is very important. But the soil is important uh, because the soil, the kind of soil you are, determines the harvest, determines how much fruit comes. And so Mark chapter 4, verse 13 and he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? You see, if we don't get this, we're going to miss all the others. This is important. Everybody say, this is important. All right, verse 14. The sower soweth the word. All right, the sower, he explains later, is God. God sows the word. God's word in order for God's word to produce, it has to be planted. That word soweth means planted. The planter plants the word. And these, verse 15, and these are they by the wayside. Everybody say wayside. All right, you might want to just write in your margin or above that. Uh, the wayside is a pathway. It's a walkway. Notice it says way, way, path. All right. Some of the seeds fall on the path where the word is. And it says, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Okay. Verse 16. And these are likewise, which are sown on stony ground. Say stony ground. Who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Verse 17. And have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution, when the heat comes. For the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Verse 18. These are they which are sown among thorns. Everybody say thorns. Such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Verse 19. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground. Say good ground such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. 
Now, I'm going to talk about the, the 30, 60, and 100 in a minute, but I want, to, I, want to, I want to talk about these four categories of soil. You got the wayside. That's hard pathway where seed is easily picked off. See, if, if, you, if you throw seed out there on the parking lot or on the sidewalk, the seed is exposed and the birds come immediately and feed on the seed, right? You've done that. I've done that in the park. Just throw out some seeds and watch the birds come and, and swallow up the, the, the seed. And if the birds don't get it, the ants will come get it and carry it off. I mean, it, it, will, not, it will not produce fruit because it doesn't have time to take root. Now, seeds will grow in a path. You know, if, if that path all of a sudden becomes abandoned, it won't take long for the jungle to reclaim it, right? But it takes a lot of time. So it's not impossible for things to grow on the path or on the wayside. It's not impossible. I mean, I've seen trees, pine trees, grow right out of the face of a granite rock. I've seen pictures of, uh, you know, uh, aerial pictures of these massive rock formations that came up out of, the, out of the ground, you know, when there was volcanic eruptions and all that kind of stuff. And nothing but sheer rock just covered with a forest of pine trees growing out of that rock. So you can grow stuff out of rock. And that's the next one is stony ground. You know, in order for stony ground to produce, uh, it's, it's, it's got to have, uh, you got you to remove the stones. You got to take the stones out of the way. It requires a lot of soil preparation if you're going to grow a crop in stony ground, but it's possible. Anybody ever been to Arkansas? Tennessee? I had an uncle who used to live in, uh, near Fayetteville, Arkansas on Dead Horse Mountain Road. And I'll tell you something. And he was always trying to get us, uh, you know, city boys, to come out and spend the summer with him. And we would even consider it because, you know, he, he lived in the, in, the, in the hills of Arkansas. Until he said, I'll show, you how to, I'll show you how to move rocks out of the field. And I wasn't about to go and volunteer my summer to haul rocks out of his field. But see, he would clear the field. They, they would use the rocks maybe to build a wall. They'd build a rock wall, and, uh, and they'd clear the rocks out of the field, and then, then, then he would prepare the field, and he could actually grow stuff in that field. But it, 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 it's not impossible to grow on stony ground. But you've got to work it. You've got to deal with it. It's a lot of work, too. There's a lot of farmland today that started out at stony ground all over the world. Europe was really bad about that. Places like France and Germany, you know, you you, uh, you go there and you'll see you'll see uh, the roads are lined with rock walls. Where'd they get those rocks for those walls? Out of the field. <laughs> they got them out, and, and usually they did it with a you know with with some farm animal and or hauling it on their back. 
Then you've got the thorny ground. And how many of you have seen thorny ground? That's, that's, that's ground that's full of weeds, thorns, briars, uh, bushes that have thorns on them. Well, you can grow in thorny ground, but you've got to deal with those thorns. You've got to deal with the weeds. Weeds have to be uprooted. Weeds have to be destroyed. It's pretty labor-intensive. Both of these, wayside, stony ground, and thorny ground, you can grow. You can produce fruit out of those places, but it's labor-intensive. Everybody know what I'm talking about? And then there's the good ground. But the good ground's not going to produce for lazy people. Even the good ground has to be prepared and tended in order for things to grow there. Amen? So there's nothing about this, uh, this concept of, of, of growing things in soil that is easy. It all requires work. Those of you who've ever labored on a farm, you know that that work is usually from before sunup till after sundown. Seven days a week, 365 days a year, and the only time you get a day off might be when it rains. Unless you've got farm animals. If you've got farm animals, you don't even get, you don't even get to go to the lake when it rains. It's work. It's work, but it's possible. You, listen, the farmers of America have fed the world for over a hundred years because they worked hard. They had, they, those that started out with pretty good ground, fertile ground, had it. You know, they were, able, they were able to prosper and do well, but then those who had to remove the stones and kill the weeds and all that, uh, they, they worked extra hard, but they still were able to grow crops. We have to be willing to roll up our sleeves and become a good and faithful gardener. Amen? Now, that's, that's in, that, that's, that concerns every aspect of, of uh, the kingdom of God, including your own personal life. You've got to be willing to put forth the effort to clear the stones out of your own mind and pull the thorns out and kill the weeds that are growing in your own heart and mind. You can't be lazy and produce f the right fruit. Look in Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 3. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk in farm terms, but I admit I'm not an accomplished farmer. Everything I learned about gardening, I learned from my dad. We always had a garden in our backyard. We grew corn, tomatoes, beans, peas, okra, onions, watermelons, uh, cantaloupe. I mean, we, we, had, we had a big garden. And every year, you know, we were out in the garden helping dad get it ready. It was amazing to me how much time it took just to get it ready before we could actually plant some seeds. I love planting seeds. You know, you take seed, poke it in the ground, cover it up, sprinkle some water on it, and move on. 
But just getting the ground ready for that, you have to, first, you have to break it up. You have to break up the ground. Jeremiah 4, 3, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Well, what if there are thorns? You've got to get them out of there. Break up your fallow ground. You know what fallow ground is? It's ground that has been sitting there uncultivated. Now, it may, it may, be, it may grow grass. Where I grew up, I grew up in the southern part of the Buffalo Range, of the south uh, of the high plains of mid-America. The buffalo used to, used to roam about where I grew up. And so there was buffalo grass everywhere. I mean, the ground was covered with grass. The hills were covered with grass. And then when the, when the buffalo were killed off, you know, the ranchers came. Charlie Goodnight came and, and, uh, and started the Three Sixes Ranch. And, and they began to graze that grass with cattle. And then the sheep herders came and, you know, the story. And then the barbed wire. And, you know, there's another war over that. And, and uh, you know, then the Indians, you know, they had to chase the Indians further back, and, and uh, it was rough. And those, those old cowboys and, and those old farmers, they were tough as beef jerky. Tough old dudes. But they got it done. Well, then the farmers came, and they called them sodbusters. You've heard of Ghostbusters? The farmers were sod busters. Now, what does that mean? Well, they couldn't grow a crop in that buffalo grass. And so they had to, they had to break up the ground. And back in those days, they, they probably had uh, an ox, uh, a cow, or a horse, you know, some big animal. And uh, they would hook a plow with one, one single plow, one single spade and they would take the, the straps to it and tie themselves in and the, the 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 horse would pull the plow and they would come along behind and and break up that ground one row at a time and it was hard work i wouldn't have wanted to be the horse or the man hard work well then then they came up with you know, a two, a, a two spade plow. Then they came up with, you know, let's, let's run two animals together. And then, then somebody invented a tractor. Woo! First tractors only had one syllable, and it went kapooka, chpooka, pooka, 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 pooka. And then they, they improved. They improved. I, I drove one. And as time went on, the, the, the farm equipment uh, uh, progressed and, and people invented, farmers were the most inventive people in the world. They invented better ways to do things and new tools and, and uh, they didn't care about patents. They just shared their stuff with everybody and, and, uh, and before long, you know, they were able to really uh, automate a lot of stuff. And, and, uh, but it, it still remains the same. If, you're going to, if you've got ground that has not been cultivated, you've got to break it up. And that is hard work. I don't care if you've got a $100,000 tractor. It's still work. Amen?
you got to break up the fallow ground. When you come to the Lord, when you first enter the picture, you are uncultivated, hard ground. And that's why a lot of people, they hear the gospel, but they don't hear it. It takes, it takes repeated effort. It takes uh, uh, hardship. It takes trouble. Most people do not come to God when things are going well. They come to God when things are all falling apart. Why does God allow that? Because that's what breaks up the fallow ground of your heart. Life's problems and life's struggles and life's hardships are intended to prepare you to receive His Word. Desperate people will seek the Lord. If they're not desperate, they make themselves the Lord. Yes. I can't tell you how many ex-millionaires I've pastored or ex-successful businessmen that I've pastored, or ex-beauty you know, queens, or whatever, you know. But I always get them when they're broken. I can't tell you how many broken people that God has sent my way. And I've, I've been mending broken nets and broken fishermen and broken people and I, Lord, why, why can't you send me some people that got it all together? He said, because this is fallow ground. This ground is prepared for you. He said, basically, he says, I've broken up this ground. Now you plant some seeds in it. So the Bible says we are co-laborers with God. He breaks up the And he uses, he uses this harsh, cruel world to get your heart ready to receive His Word. You say, I don't like that. Well, I'm sorry. Truth hurts, doesn't it? So you, you've got to have a breaking plow. Everybody say breaking plow. You, you know, you, you've, got, you've got to break things up. Well, if things start, if you start feeling the heat in your own personal life, and you start feeling pressure, and you start feeling like, whoa, something's wrong here, you need to examine that area of your life. God's trying to break it up. You see, I, I've watched farmers, they can farm the same field for years and years and years and years, but at some point, they need to expand. And you know what they do? They get the field next to their field, and they bring out the breaking plow, and they begin to prepare that new ground uh, for uh, a crop. Anytime, you, anytime God wants to expand in your life, He's going to bring out the breaking plow, and He's going to plow up the fallow ground that still remains in your life. You might as well submit to it. Say, Lord, Lord what, are you, what are you wanting to grow in me? Just give me the seed. I'll, I'll, I'll receive it. I'll willingly receive it. Don't send the breaking plow. But the breaking plow has to come. Amen? Amen? There's wisdom in what I'm telling you. This is going to help you. Now, then, then once you break up, break up the ground, you don't just walk out there and throw seeds in it. You've got to bring out the tiller. Well, the harrow, the harrow will will get out the big the big clods, big uh, you know it'll 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 break it down even more. It'll also pull out the, a lot of the grass and the weeds. 
but but uh, then you then you bring in the tiller, and uh, the tiller uh, lays out the rows. Well, you know you got to determine where you're going to put the rows. Then you bring the tiller out, and the tiller is you know you start building your rows. Have you ever noticed they plant crops in rows? Yes. Have you noticed that? Yes, sir. Uh, especially irrigation. Now there are there are some forms of irrigation where they don't have rows; they just have circles. And then there's what you call dry land farming, where you don't have to have rows because you're not going to irrigate. But it's better if you have rows, and I'll tell you why: because you can get in there and you can tend your garden if there's a row. See, the the tiller lays out the rows, and then you begin to plow the furrows. The furrows are, are where you, you, you dig out the middle and you build, a, you build a hump in the middle. You dig out the sides, build a hump in the middle. You lay a little ridge down in the... Those of you done a garden, you know what I'm talking about. You put a little ridge in the top of the, fur, of, the, of the hump, and that's where you plant your seeds. And then you push dirt over. Cover your seed up because of the birds. Cover your seed up. And then you run water down the down the ditches on both sides, and that water soaks in both sides, of, both sides of that furrow, both sides of that ridge, and waters that seed you just planted. Isn't that cool? Y'all have done it with your gardens. It, well, they do, it, they do it in the big farms too. But you've got to have that furrow. Or you've gotta, you, you start with the breaking plow, then you use the tiller, the harrower, you use the, and then you use the furrower, and then you plant the seed. Now, the old-fashioned way is, you have a little bag full of seeds, and you go along, you bend down, take a seed, stick your finger, make a little hole, put the seed in it, cover it up, water it a little bit with your watering can, and just go down the row. Well, that's all, all right with a garden, but if you're going to do a thousand acres, you need, you need a better way. Well, they did. They invented a tool called, they call it a drill. It's an, it's an implement that goes on the back of a plow on your tractor, and, uh, and you put your seeds in it, and then it just, it, it just shoots. And you can do multiple rows at the same time. You just go down the field with your tractor, putting your tractor wheels in the furrows, in the, you know, down in the... You don't drive on top of your seeds. You put it down in the valley, and then you pull that, you pull that, that drill... And it just it just takes those, puts those seeds in there, and it's got a little plow. It's got a plow on the back of it that covers it up. And just in one pass, you've planted your seed and covered it up. And they've even got it now where you can you can have fertilizer mounted on that. It'll fertilize it, plant it'll plant it, fertilize it, and cover it up. In one pass down the field. I'll tell you, these farmers are so smart. Well. Pastor, what's that got to do with me? You need to get smart about your own life and your own field. And you need to find different ways to tend your, tend your field. You can't just let it go or it's just going to... The jungle will take over. The weeds will come up. Well, once you plant the seed and cover it up with the tiller, the drill and the tiller... Then you water the soil. Now, they water the soil 
either by irrigation, by running water down the furrows. And I spent many days moving the irrigation pipe from one field to the other, one row to the other. And these big aluminum pipes, you hook them together. And at the end, you hook them up to a, 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 a motor that pumps water up out of the ground. It's called irrigation. They get these big old Chrysler engines, you know, over 400 cubic inch Chrysler engines, hook them up to natural gas or propane, and then they go down 1,000 feet, 600 feet in the ground, and they pump up water from underneath, and it goes down those pipes, and they have little, little gates on those pipes. You can open them and close them, and it, it'll run water down those rows. And you go by there every so often, you look at your watch, you write, take your notes, and, and you'll go to the end and you see wh wh which row's got water already, already to the end of the row. And then you go up to the other end of the field and you find that row and you shut the water off so the water can go down those other rows. And then when you're done, you pick it all up, put it on your pickup truck and go to the next field. And after a while, it gets full of sand and dirt, and they get heavy. That's another story. But my father-in-law, Glenn Pratt, in the Texas Panhandle, was, he was the first farmer in Texas history to irrigate that way. He, he, he dug the first irrigation well. Well, now they have a hard time with that because gas prices have gone out, you know, and it, and it costs, now it costs more to run those wells and they get benefit out of it. So they, they're finding other ways. You know, they use, uh, they pray for rain. And uh, that's the other way. But if you wait for the rain, you may not grow a crop. So you need to get your water hose out there and water your garden. Amen. How many of you know if you water your garden, you're going to have more product? You're going to have more fruit. Well, how do you water your spiritual garden? How do you water your life? With the Word of God. That's right. You continue to go. You don't wait. You don't go from Sunday to Sunday. That's like watering your grass in the summertime, you know, just once a week. Sometimes once a week isn't enough or your, your grass will die. Out there in Arizona, where my son lives, they have to, they have to water their grass. If they if they miss one watering, their their whole yard dies. 117 degrees there yesterday. You don't miss a watering, or you'll have no yard. You don't leave you don't leave your animals outside all day without putting water in their water bowl either, or your animals will die. It only takes one day. A lot of folks, you know, haven't been to church in a year, and they wonder why their, their life is such a mess and they don't have any, any, any good fruit in their life. It's because they've let their crop dry out. Going to the house of God not only, not only adds more seed and adds fertilizer and adds water, but it, it, uh, it keeps your crop alive. Look at Psalm 126. Psalm 126. It's amazing to me how many people I know that come to me and wonder why God's not blessing them. 
Why God, you know, why isn't God blessing me? Why isn't my life just full of beautiful things and wonderful things? How come the promises of God aren't producing for me? And yet they've left the care of their life completely over to chance. If you don't take care of your life, nobody's going to. Psalm 126, verse 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Everybody wants to be a part of the harvest. Everybody wants to be there when the vegetables are brought in from the garden. Everybody wants to sit down at the table and eat the fried chicken and the salad and drink the milk. But nobody wants to go out there and kill the chicken, pluck the chicken, clean the chicken, fry the chicken, milk the cow, and work in the garden. And without the sowing in tears, without the hardship, without the weeping and going forth, bearing precious seed, there can't be the joyful time. You're not going to stand in front of God in the end and blame God that your life wasn't blessed. God's going to say, you didn't tend your ground. You did not tend your ground. You didn't take care of your soil. As the plants grow, you can't just turn your back on it. Because while your plants are growing, while your cucumbers are growing, the weeds are growing too. Birds fly over and drop weed seeds. <laughs> Bumblebees fly from weed blossoms to corn blossoms. To, I mean, they, they're not particular. And they're dropping pollen everywhere, and weed seed is getting mingled in with your garden. And you have to deal with it. You have to keep the soil loose. Why? Because if it gets hard, it won't soak in water. And how many of you know that the sun will melt some substances, but others it makes hard? Soil will get hard just sitting out in the sun. If it dries out, it becomes like a brick. It won't soak up much water that way. So you got to go. You got to go. They they have a they have a tool. Well, it's a, it's called a a, a, a furrier. You know, you cultivator. And you, you can you actually go in there, and it loosens up the soil, keeps the soil loose. And then, then you've got to keep the weeds out. You either keep the weeds out by hand, by hoe, or nowadays, thank God to inventiveness, they've got automatic weeders. Just put it on the back of your little farm tractor, and it just goes down there, and it automatically weeds out your crops. But it still requires effort, time and effort. Then you've got to keep the insects and pests out. How do you do that? Well, you can have a scarecrow. 
Put a scarecrow out in the middle of your field. It'll work, it'll, it'll work for a little while till the crows figure out that it's dead. Uh, you can uh, hire an airplane, crop duster, he can come over and spray your field with pesticides. But you can't just leave it to the you can't just leave it to the locusts. You can't leave it to the to the pest. You can't let the raccoons in there. Or the squirrels, they love to steal your tomatoes. So what am I saying? In order for your life to continue to produce, you've got to weed it, you've got to feed it, you've got to you've got to uh, uh, fertilize it, you've got to give you've got to give attention to it. You have to tend your own life. You can't just leave it up to chance. I lived in East Texas for 12 years, pastoring a church there. And East Texas has the really rich black soil. I mean, it's just it's as black as black gets. And it is rich. I mean, it'll grow anything. And and uh, but you had to break it up because when it was dry, when it was dry, you 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 uh, it was hard. It was like clay. The sun would just bake it until it became like clay. So you had to break it up. And then when it was wet, it was like glue. We used to have a saying, if you'll stick to it when it's dry, it'll stick to you when it's wet. And then, you, you know, you get out in it, you get stuck. And boy, it's hard to get that stuff off your shoes. I mean, it was a mess. But if you worked it right, if you did it right, you could grow anything in that soil. And your life is like that. When it's dry, it, it won't produce. When it's wet... It'll produce, but you got to work it. Amen? you got to work it. Look in Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23. You can't just be careless and lackadaisical about things. And uh, I'm giving you good advice. If you want your life to produce all the beautiful things that God has promised... You've got, to be a, you've got to be a partner with him in the gardening process. You have to tend your own life. And then you can help tend the lives of other people. See, pastoring, you know what pastoring is all about? Pastoring is all about tending the gardens. Everybody is, everybody's life is different. Everybody is at, some people come, they're way, wayside. Some come, they're stony ground. Others come, they're full of thorns. And we have to work it. We can grow a crop where there was stony ground. We can do it. We can grow a crop where there was thorn bushes. We can do it. But it's work. It's effort. And we've got to have the patience with people to bring them to that stage where, they are, are, where they're broken up, fertilized, and prepared to receive the harvest. And they're not going to be that way when they first walk through the door. Very few people walk through the door that don't need some kind of time and patience 
And we're the ones that God calls upon to be patient with people. <clears throat> Not just the pastor, but the whole church. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Your heart is your garden. And what he's saying here is tend your garden with all diligence. Diligence. Now that's a word that needs to be taught to children as they're growing up. Be diligent. Be diligent. What is diligent? It means you do the hard work. You do what's required. Now look in Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. Here, this is an important part. Everybody say, this is important. This is important. Proverbs 10, start with verse 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Jimmy was talking about this scripture the other day. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Don't be a slacker. Y'all familiar with that term? <laughs> Don't be a slacker. Look at verse 5, Proverbs 10, 5. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. A lot of people forget to harvest their crops. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. If you diligently break up the fallow ground, till the soil, plant the seed, water the seed, cultivate the soil, pull out the weeds, fertilize, and do all the due diligence that it takes to tend your ground, you're not going to forget your harvest. Right? The more work you put into it, the more, the more aggressive you're going to come and get your harvest. My father-in-law one, one year planted 100 acres of turnips. He just wanted, you know, he had, he had some ground that he wanted to leave fallow a little bit. He didn't want to grow. He didn't want to grow corn or whatever it was in it, so he just planted a different crop. They call it—I forget what they call it—crop rotation. Kind of helped build up the soil a little bit. So he just planted 100 acres of turnip greens, turnips, and boy, they did good. He had 100 acres of turnips. I didn't even like turnips, but I mean, every time I saw him, he's shoving a bag of turnips at me. Then he says, I've got to do that. I've got, I've got turnips. that They're going to rot in the field. I've got to do something with these turnips. He said, tell all your friends to just come on out and then get all the turnips they want. So I went to my friends and I said, hey, you, want, you, want, you like turnips? You like turnip greens? My father-in-law's got 100 acres of turnips. And he said, all you got to do is go get them. Do you know they wouldn't go get them? They wouldn't go get them. How lazy is that? He went to the church. He stood up in front of the whole church and he said, he said hey, y'all, I've got turnips. Come get your turnips. All you got to do is come out there and get your own turnips. The church people wouldn't even come get them. One lady says, well, you'll bring them here. I'll take some, but I ain't going to go out there and get them. 
a few years later, he, uh, he had a similar situation in his field, but this time it's 20 acres. He planted 20 acres of beefsteak tomatoes. 20 acres of, listen folks, that's a lot of tomatoes. Same situation. He was overrun with tomatoes. I mean, uh, my mother-in-law must have canned a thousand jars of tomatoes. And we were eating tomatoes for breakfast, lunch, <laughs> supper. I mean, we had tomatoes in everything. I mean, it was, it was, oh, and they were good. They just had, they were grown in that wonderful soil and just had the right acidity. I mean, they, better tomatoes you'll ever buy in a grocery store. Do you know he couldn't get people to come out and get free tomatoes? He couldn't get people. That's pretty lazy. Y'all understand? That's pretty lazy. Well, imagine those same people if they were told they had to grow their own. They had to prepare their own ground. They had to water their own ground. They, you know, those same people, they're so lazy they won't come out and get them for free. They're certainly not going to grow their own. They will starve to death. And that's where a lot of Christians are today. Pastor, he does all the work. He does all the digging. He does all the praying. He does all of the, Lord, bless this, anoint this, all this stuff. And he prepares this wonderful meal on Sunday morning, and they won't even come and get it. And it's costing them nothing. It's the same principle. People are too lazy to get a free meal in the house of God. <laughs> and then they want to blame God and blame the preacher if their lives are not productive. Well, I'm sorry, I refuse to accept blame for your crop failure because I know what I've been doing. I know what I'm doing. And if your life is a failure, it's not my fault. If you're watching the video, it's not your pastor's fault. It's your fault because you won't go and eat freely. Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. You may sit at the master's table all the time. God, God makes it easy for you. Initially, but then you've got to get involved in the family business. When I married that farmer's daughter, all of a sudden, I couldn't sit down at the table and eat freely. I had to be there for the work. Every Saturday, I'd get a phone call. I've got a tractor for you to drive today. And I knew, I knew if I wanted to be a partaker in the fruits, I had to be a partaker in the labor. And I found out the harder I worked, the better it tasted. A glass of cold water taken from that 600-foot well whew, on a hot July day, July day 110 out in the hot sun, I'd get off a tractor. That irrigation well would be running. I could hear it in the distance. I'd go over to that irrigation ditch, and here comes all of that water from deep down below. 
and I'd just stick my head in it and drink and drink and drink, get back on my tractor, drive a few more rounds till I got hot again, stop the tractor, get out and plunge my head again down deep into that well water. Now, if I'd just been driving in my air-conditioned car and stopped and pulled over and went and stuck my head in that water, it wouldn't have had the same effect. Amen? Amen? That's why some folks enjoy church more than others. If you, if you are part of the labor force, you're going to enjoy the fruits more. Amen? Praise God. How many would say that's sound advice? Isn't that wisdom? Tend your field. Tend your own garden. Amen. Don't deal with a slack hand. And then in the end, don't forget your harvest.